Okay. Here he goes. Hello, we're ready. Yay! <laughs> Are you ready? Craig won't be mad. Okay, uh, yeah, we're going We're going to go live here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I believe on the phone with us is uh, Jerry Thornton. Jerry, is this you? This is me. Hey. Yeah, there it is. Great, great to talk to you guys. Great to talk to you, too. Uh, longtime fan and uh, love the stuff you do on, on Barstool. Welcome to the program. We're just up the road uh, from Boston up here in New Hampshire, and uh, we've got Greg, Roadkill, Laura, and, and, and Kelly. So... Um, going to get right to it. The book is called Five Rings, the Super Bowl History of the New England Patriots. And I was just talking, Jerry, about how in the modern era, like I lived, we all lived through, you know, the Chicago Bears game and the, and the, and the Green Bay Packers game. But man, the one that got me was the first one when nobody gave the Patriots a chance against the Kurt Warner and, and the Rams. And ever since then, it's a whole new monster, isn't it, with the Patriots? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It, writing the book, it occurred to me that in our lifetimes, we had never had a Boston team win in that way where they were the underdogs. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Red Sox had never been to that point. The Celtics were always, well, they were a dynasty. And I mean, if you want to go way back, the Big Bad Bruins were incredible. So it was this weird, surreal, like, okay, this is what it's like yeah. to be, I don't know, the 69th match to throw out the, the greatest example ever. And then you didn't know, are they just one-hit wonders, you know? Are, yeah. are they going to be the Beatles, or are they Bismarcky, and this is their just a friend? <laughs> well, we know now that they became... And by the way, Bismarcky has another big hit in him. I have not given up on him yet. And nor but, should you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little, little did we know that what we were witnessing, and, and uh, Ricky Prohl from the Rams looked at the TV camera before the game and said, tonight a dynasty is born, baby. Well, he was right. He just had the wrong dynasty. It's it's true. And you go back now, you go back go back to the Atlanta game and how perspe- the perception has changed. And along with it comes that, that sense of entitlement the Patriots fans have. God forbid we lost this past weekend, so everybody's losing their mind. It's yeah. one game. But look back to the Atlanta game when they were ahead by 28-3. to And then they cut, you saw that cut to the bench in the postgame stuff. You could hear the audio when the guy went, hey, man. This is the New England Patriots, right? I mean, what a what a great acknowledgement of how far the Patriots have come and how that dominance has affected the rest of the league, right? Oh, absolutely, and and that is a real major theme of what I was trying to get across in the book. It's yeah, it's that on the field stuff, it's that respect that they get, but it's counter with this this other side of the coin where there's a Patriots derangement syndrome that took hold of America sometime around maybe. 2004, or maybe Spygate, where they say, yeah, they're great, they're incredible, but they're not legitimate. There's something that they're doing that's wrong, and everybody is so busy, you know, chasing Nazis behind the woodpile or whatever, they don't realize that, <laughs> right. no, they're just a team that's more prepared than everybody else, that scouts talent in a way that other people don't. And as long as everyone is, is worried about cameras and microphones in the locker room or something, they're going to miss the greater point, which is the Patriots just have a unique way of sustaining greatness that has never been matched before. Right. This is uh, Jerry Thornton on the line. Of course, he used to do uh, sports radio in Boston. He's now with Barstool Sports. Book out called Five Rings, the Super Bowl History of the New England Patriots. Kelly. Yeah, Jerry, I missed listening to you on Boston Sports Radio. Um, my real regret, one, if I had to have one game back in any Boston sports team's history, obviously it's the Super Bowl game against the Giants, losing that game. Oh, yeah. 
But then you forget that every Super Bowl we have won has has been really really close. We, oh, yeah. we could we could have we could have a, that your book could be titled Two Rings. Yeah, absolutely. And you know how many times growing up did you see the Super Bowl was just a blowout? Like oh here we go yeah. Dallas against the Bills. You know this thing will be over in the second quarter. What's the halftime show? And right, they could they've been to eight. They could easily have uh, be zero and eight or eight no and. Five and three, believe me, that, that that sticks in our craw. We all look at games like that. I would love this to have been called six rings. Um, you know, but were it not for, you know, that Tyree helmet catch, which, by the way, I have seen one. I've never watched the You didn't watch it again? You. I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't need to see I, it. Every time yeah, I watch I it, I like cringe. I'm staring at the sun. You know, like, like just burn your corneas. And by the way, he never caught another pass the rest of his life. I know. He, he just went off into the ether somewhere. Because I really don't even think he exists. I think we just imagined him. <laughs> but at the same time, right, you, you look at how Seattle looks at it, and, and we say, all right, well, you, we, they got a ring for Super Bowl Forty Nine. A, a undrafted nobody from West Alabama steps into a, a pass at the goal line, uh, an interception that hadn't happened the entire NFL season. No one threw a pick at the goal line. In a you know second and goal situation all year long. Yeah, the Patriots benefited from that. So yeah, it has been on a razor's edge. And when people celebrate a past loss, because the whole world loves to bathe in their blood when they lose, you know, it's partly because they don't have the luxury of easy losses. Oh. Everything that they every time they they come on the wrong end of the scoreboard, it's football mageddon. It is amazing how we are the evil empire. Uh, you know, we, it, it, and people now, it's true. They, they hate us and uh, hate us because they hate us. Uh, but they hate us because if, to them, no matter what, even like you just said, the Malcolm Butler at the goal line, you know, or the, I mean, the, the Atlanta game, uh, you know, when the, the, there was another guy in that game who made like a David Tyree catch so much so they referenced David Tyree when, when he made it. But they just had the ability. Like on the fourth quarter this past Sunday, there was part of you that was like, oh, we're going to pull this out. I think we might be able to pull this out. And that's like a slap in the face to every Patriots hater. That's how the nation is just, they're tired of it. We have become, in a way, the Yankees we used to hate with the 27 championships, right? Oh, yeah. And, and tell me that you don't embrace that. It, at first, it was weird that they went from America's sweetheart to the villain, but I think in a, in a strange way, it, it has saved us, because around, I don't know, 2006 or so, I forget exactly when, I started worrying about what I call the Yankee fanification of, of Pats fans, where yeah. we're entitled, and there's no joy in winning, but there's anger when you lose, because, well, we deserve to, and I really think that this whole thing with you know, Spygate and then Deflategate and everybody rooting against them and, and the, the world celebrating when that thumb-headed goober Eli Manning beat them twice. <laughs> I think it's just, it's galvanized Pat fans to the point where we are the most engaged, uh, motivated, net-savvy fan base in the world. And so when somebody out there throws shade at the Pats, 
Patriots fans en masse come like, you know, the monkeys flying out of the witch's castle and right. jump on them and rip the stuffing out of their chest, and it's a glorious thing to be a part of. I have to say, though, that, now having said that, now you're with yeah. Barstool Sports. I read your blogs all the time. I'm a fan. Thank Kelly's you. a fan. So is Laura. Um, but you go, I want to turn that around on, on sports radio. So, I, you know, everybody in New England checks out sports radio. And for as much as you're talking, like what you just said, we will rip the mask off anybody who goes after the Pats. Man, we bitch a lot. Sports, sports radio, Jesus, I mean, what does this team have to do? The, I mean, it's incredible the level of negativity on sports radio directed at the Patriots sometimes. And I'm going... Directed at a lot of things on yeah. sports radio. But. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's built on that. It's built on, you know, picking a player and go, this guy sucks, get rid of him. Like, the person who's saying it behind the microphone has never played in their friggin' life. But it's interesting, though, isn't it? That the, 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 the media will bite the very hand it exists off of. Oh, yeah, when I, when I did uh, WEI in drive time for two years, uh, people would throw shade at me for being a, a homer. Yeah, a, right. A homer for who? Right. For the team that's, that wins 12 games every single year <laughs> that goes to the AFC championship game. And it's not like I'm talking about the Lions, but, but to your point, I, I listened one day to a show. Before they had gone to their first break, they said, Patriots aren't good. Uh, they, they're, it's a down year for the league. The defense is terrible. Brady hides all their flaws. Fellas, it was the day after they beat the Falcons to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> what, what does it take to impress these people? But I guess that's their, that's the Boston press for you. They have right. to, you know, pump their checks and say, you know, we're tough guys. We'll speak truth to power. And, mm-hmm. you know, okay, the fact that you've been wrong every year for the, the last 19 years, I guess, shouldn't yeah. deter you from your, from your, uh, modus mm-hmm. operandi. When you talk about the the Super Bowl, this is Jerry Thornton. We got I, I hope we got a couple more minutes. Jerry Thornton, five yeah. rings, the Super Bowl history of the New England Patriots. And you talk about you know the games, the the the, win, the winning games. What was Brady's mindset? Uh, you know, going into uh, the Super Bowl right after the allegations of of Deflategate, which was just that's that whole story still makes me it boils my blood the way it was just Goodell's uh, vendetta to sort of make some sort of payback, make Brady and the Patriots pay for what he didn't do before with Spygate. What, what, can you speak to his mindset? Did, how did he put that out of his mind in that last part of the season after those allegations came out? Yeah, and, and by the, the time they hit the Super Bowl, too, let's not forget that they were operating off, uh, off of bad intel. Right. It was that stupid report that said the, the footballs were you know, two pounds per square inch underinflated, which we know to be a lie, and... He took so much crap for his performance in that weirdo press conference. Remember the ones like, right. Mom, we look into the camera and say that you're sorry. <laughs> like, these were news reporters. It was the top story in America. I know. For two weeks. <laughs> it was the nightly network newscast. And I, I just think when he gets on the field, okay, this is where I, I can control things. Yeah. And I and I don't have to answer questions, and and I'm I'm with the guys that I've spent all year with. But again, there's never been a greater example of Patriot estrangement syndrome. There's so many examples of teams doctoring football. Brad Johnson of the, the Buccaneers, when he went to the Super Bowl in 2002, has said, "I, I paid the ball boys twelve thousand dollars to like uh, right. dodge up the footballs from me," and everyone just shrugs. Yeah, the thought that a Patriot might have taken a little impressive air out of football, almost went to the Supreme Court. That's too funny. <laughs> it was one step away. And I, it makes you say, as, as frustrating as it is, and I share your anger, 
Imagine being a fan of, I don't know, the Utah Jazz. Like, what do they talk about all day long, you know? <laughs> What's your take on Josh Gordon coming from Cleveland? Oh, bring it on. And, yes, the man has his demons. And I would, uh, I want nothing more than to see him straighten it out. And I, and I always thought that, you know, the league was going way overboard. I, I'm not a pot smoker, but, hey, if that's your thing, more power right. to you. Um, I, it's one of those moves, those classic Belichick's moves. It's all upside. There is no downside. If he doesn't pan out, it costs them virtually nothing. And if he does work out, they just got the most physically gifted wideout in the NFL. And I, I think what Belichick is doing is he's adding another uh, infinity stone to his gauntlet that he's going to snap his fingers and make half the defenses in the NFL disappear. And I got one more question. Like, when you we talk about Belichick's le- uh, legacy, we talk about, like, you know, outthinking, outplanning, preparing for every single possibility in a game. The big question mark at the end of his career is always going to be why he didn't play Malcolm Butler because he's never answered it. And right. there's no inside intel as to what that was about that it, it, that's credible, or am I wrong? No, you, you are correct, and he will happily go to his grave rather without saying a word than say something that's going to make himself look good, which is the frustrating thing with him, but it's also, as a past fan, you, you embrace that as right. part of the greater good. Here's what I know. A friend of mine, and I, I know we're up against the clock, but was there at, at the post-game party, spoke to Butler, and this guy has given me a lot of good info. He also spoke to the Patriots football ops guy who flew out from Rhode Island to Minnesota for the game because if you remember, Butler missed the beginning of right. the week of practices because he was sick. And they both confirmed to this friend whom I trust that it, he just wasn't mentally prepared for the game. They just didn't trust that he had that he was ready for the game plan. And I know that that's frustrating given the fact that Nick Foles, they, they treated him like, I don't know, like he was a, like a make-a-wish, and they were trying to give him like the greatest game ever by a quarterback. But um, it's, it's, it's hard to process, and yet Belichick has made so many bizarre decisions over his career that have worked out. And including, it paid off. Including putting Butler on the goal line against uh, right. Pete Carroll and not calling timeout. So, right. yeah, it will always stick with us. Having said that, I just finished a blog that's about to post about how statistically right now, Malcolm Butler is the worst cornerback in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and, and if Butler if Butler can forgive him and he said he totally has, then certainly certainly I can. I mean that's, yeah, that, that's it wasn't personal. At. Otherwise right. there's no way he would have signed with Mike Brabel. Yeah. He and Belichick are very close. So I just think it was as frustrating as it sounds like it was a football decision. I just wish yeah. he had made a different football decision. Well but dude. That's, like I said, uh, big fans, I'd love to have you on again. I, I may reach out to you, and, and if we can have you on from time to time, I'd really love it because I love your perspective, as do as we all do. Oh, look, Greg, roadkill. Laura Kelly, really appreciate it. And I know it was our first time. I hope it's not our last. I deeply appreciate uh, have, you having me on, and it was a lot of laughs. Thank all right, you. man, thank you, Jerry. Appreciate it. Uh, have a great day. Thanks, Jerry, Jerry Thornton, five rings, uh, the Super Bowl history of the New England Patriots. Yeah, he's a good dude. I like him. I'm, I'm glad he landed at Barstool. Um, I always am amazed at how... Sports radio just lives to tear apart every single thing. I'm listening to our sister station on the way in, and uh, this guy sucks, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't, they weren't talking about the Patriots, but everybody sucks. And I'm like, who are you? Well, they <laughs> I mean, have, it's yeah, like it's their so way to vent. Yeah. I know, but it's like, man, oh, man. Um,
negative. God, it's, it's negative. But anyway, so so be it. And I'm not saying I don't listen because yeah. I mean I do. I, I love. I'm sure the Northeast is a little more negative than the than the rest, and yeah. some of the national stuff isn't as negative. But Embar- a lot of it is. an embarrassment of riches is what we have. All right, I know we're running late. I but I I love that. I thought it was great. We'll take a quick break. We're coming right back. We're back in a moment. This is Greg in the morning buzz. 